Yes, we're ready to go. Welcome to another episode of Dreams and Money, the podcast. On today's episode, I've got Bukasi. Say hey to the people, Bukasi. Inshallah, no, inshallah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so how are you going to say hi? Hello, guys. Uh, Bukasi is a business owner. He owns Squires, which is a African uh, cuisine restaurant. Do you want to tell us more, Bukasi? Yeah, it's... Um Right now, it's a Nigerian cuisine by mm-hmm. changing into different types of African food. So it's going to be just generally African food. So it's not going to be specifically for Nigerians. The next one coming up. Okay, so at the moment, you um, it's a franchise, I believe. How many um, locations do you have at the moment? So Squares is five owned. Um, then franchise three. So technically, you could say the main branch has got two. And then three... A franchise. Three a franchise. Yeah. Okay, and then um, out of the franchises, which sort of how many of those are you personally responsible so for? I'm, which ones do you own? So I'm involved in the whole brand. So for an example, um, I'm in charge of the whole squares, mm-hmm. but I've got my own restaurant within the whole thing. So I can, the same power when someone comes to look for a new franchise is the is me who gives the authority um same as buying and selling and the introduction of different foods oh. yeah so it's just that dagenham is my own franchise but i'm still under the umbrella of squares uk okay and um your other locations where where are they so we've got one in in romford one in Kennetown, east dam dagenham and then the greatest one is reopening nice i must say it bangs. If you've never tried it, you need to go and try, especially you, the jello fries, my favorite. Um, let's get to the to, to, to the nitty gritty. How did you get involved? I've always wanted to ask you, like, how did this start and what made you feel like, do you know, what? I want to get into the restaurant business and, um, you know, hospitality. Um, I went to uni um, in 2007, 2009, um, and I studied computer systems, software engineering. So, I studied that, and then whilst I was doing that, I was working for Excel, so I was doing part-time for campus hospitality industry. And then I fell in love with the whole hospitality, retail, the food, and I didn't want to be bound to a table on a desk on a computer, so I thought, let me just trace the dream of, dream of hospitality, and then try the catering part of maybe giving um, events, staff, uh, barmen, then mm. I decided that maybe just go for a restaurant and see what happens. Then I feel like that's from where you started working, you know, for for campus to pretty much owning your own restaurant. That's a that's a big jump. Whereas like somebody would have said, oh, I'm going to go from campus to maybe being a manager at a at a restaurant. Let's just say somewhere like TGI or you know Byron Burgers. So why why the jump from being you know working for a company to to owning your own versus maybe going and being in the middle ground where it's safe in quotes where it's, it's, it's a safe um net you've got it's a guaranteed job but you're not necessarily responsible for a whole entire a brand a branch and you know a whole restaurant um like i said before i've never been someone who's tied down to a certain place so i've never had a nine to five literally i've worked zero hours since college really so i started mm. working for campus when i was in second year of college yeah, sixth form. So I've never been tied down. So I refuse all contracts. So if you give me a contract to work somewhere, I will never sign it. You either hire me for my experience 
I do the job, but I'm never tied down to a certain thing. So there's no such thing as a month notice. I just walk out. Mm. So that's what I did. So I tried Encompass, worked for Compass, worked for West Ham, worked for Chelsea, Twickenham, so many different places doing cleaning, porter work, um, the accounts, checking, buying and selling. So I got used to the whole thing to do with restaurants. Yeah. So I thought, I've got the experience. I don't need to go and be a manager for a restaurant. But then what I did is I now left Western Football Club. I went to Squires. I worked as a PA to the owner. So I learned more ah. about how the nitty-gritty of running a restaurant, the stress behind running a restaurant. And then what he now did is he went away uh, for two years to Nigeria. And then he left me in charge of the whole brand and said, now it's time to prove yourself. That's when I now have to use all the experience from everywhere else. Still with no contract with him. Just do the the job and, yeah. and get paid. And then run, I thought, just run yeah, the business. Just run the business. So I've been doing that for the past three, three, four years. Then I thought, it's best that I just open my own one. But the only thing is that I was looking for a new place to open. But he's, he gave me an opportunity to, to buy out, buy him out on the one which in Dagenham. So then wow. I just changed the inside. I, I like that you said about actually being humble enough to go and work under somebody you know and actually learn as as his PA and really him actually taking you on as sort of you know um a, a mentor for you what would you say was the most beneficial part of that experience kind of working under him um I think the most beneficial is that it, it can be done I mean the, the attitude of knowing that you can actually own a restaurant you can actually run a restaurant in this country you can actually um, give good food you can actually like, literally be inside a business and know the whole business not work for someone and know a bit of it go to the level of finances knowing how much where to buy this how much it costs go to know how much he has in his account know everything so yeah. that helped me knowing that this is what I'm getting myself into I know the full thing I don't know just 25% or 50% I know 100% what I'm getting myself into so actually building not only the knowledge of the business but actually the, the skills as well simultaneously and figuring out what do I not know and what do I need to know before I branch out and open my own my own restaurant yeah for, for the other thing which I did was um so I done events for example with clean living so that taught me the marketing part and mm. the sales part so that then I've taken that on board with Squires and said okay there's a certain way you market an event there's a certain way you market a restaurant and then I took that on board the experience from clean living and put it into Squires whilst before I took my own one whilst I was working in Squires and I could see the improvement that people will come to your, your restaurant if one the food is good this service is good they don't really care about anything else they just want the good service clean restaurant and good food mm. they don't care about anything else that's what they want the moment i realized that then i realized that i've got the experience and all that let me just open my own one now okay so what was your experience of the just the beginning of it like from the get-go finding an actual location to opening to finding your own staff to work at that location what was that experience so what is for, for, so, for you so i bought into the Dagenham one so the Dagenham one was existing yeah. but it wasn't at the level whereby we were all hip about mm. and then obviously um, he was tied down to certain things um, businesses in Nigeria so he couldn't really focus on Dagenham so I came on a point where I was like I want Dagenham for myself I want to run Dagenham and I want to improve it and I want to 
to start a grain. So what I did is I removed every single staff which was working in Dagenham, got my own staff, um, got staff from different countries to come in, and then got two main cooks, um, Nigerian um, aunties who can cook. Everyone else was literally from different countries just to give a new impression to the to the area that squares mm. is back in, in back in business properly and just cleaned up the place and um, changed the chairs painting and um, added different food added um, different drinks including cocktails all that okay so what would you say within sort of that 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 period and transition was the most difficult part of it the most Especially if you're opening in a new new location, the, the most where difficult you know, one. let's say the locals may not necessarily be aware of of the fact that the brand already exists, mm. that you've already got another franchise somewhere else. Mm. You know, what was that transition period like for you as as the new owner? I think um, age was one. Um, people, Africans really kind of didn't want to accept that someone young has opened a Nigerian restaurant, mm. an African restaurant, in an area where it's full of Africans, and why can't they do it? So the, my challenge was that I'm young, but I know what I'm doing. Okay. Yeah. So, but you can come to the restaurant, you can eat the food, you can get good service, you can get good drinks, but don't just look at it as I'm young and go to another restaurant. Come and try out. Come yeah. and try and see what young people do. See what I can offer you. My biggest challenge was getting the older people to come to give to you the respect, the respect sort of? yeah, and to try out the food. Because mm. where we're located, we've got about six, seven different Nigerian restaurants. Okay. Yeah. So within a mile radius or two mile radius, is about six, seven. And then if you now check online, we are top. So it worked that people have now tried out. They've now come into the, sh- into the restaurant, now trying the food. And we're giving the service which we were telling them about. So, okay, you mentioned about the other restaurants in that area when it comes to competition and beating competition how were you able to not only come in as the new person in town or the new restaurant in town but actually succeed and uh, be on top how, how do you beat that that competition so so the first thing i did because um i'm young i use my dad as a cover-up so the restaurant was in face value think it's his restaurant, my dad's restaurant. Oh, okay. So the uncles will respect my my dad, the aunties will come in, the young people come in. So I was just at the background of it. Mm. But you know, what I did was that we're just going to give good service, good food. If people come in for good food, good service, clean restaurant, they are bound to come back again. Yeah. I didn't care much about the competition around. And I love competition. So if someone, another rest, rest, Nigerian restaurant opens, I love it. Because what they will do is they will market in the area that they've got a restaurant there and people will see that we are there as well. Mm. Yeah, so it's, it's not only me marketing so, um, for myself, they are helping me market because people walk past and try the food out and we're literally right next to Heathway Station. So from Heathway, we're the first restaurant, Nigerian restaurant. I've never thought of that actually in terms of um, other businesses indirectly marketing for you. So let's say, for instance, if you go to a shopping mall um, and there is, you've got Zara in one space and then you've got New Look or maybe a Primark in one space, they may not necessarily always go to Zara, but they may say, okay, I'm going to go to Zara today. And because there's a New Look right there, I'm going to go um, and try the, the New Look the next time. I never yeah. thought of that. Because what, what you've got is um, with, with Nigerian food, 
there's different cultures. Um, so you've got um, Yoruba people, uh, Hausa people, different. Um, mm-hmm. So all those other restaurants might not necessarily sell Yoruba food that we do. They might sell food from the northern part of Nigeria, southern part of Nigeria. So someone might one day want a kusi from us or uh, go to another restaurant and want a dear tikkun, whatever you call yeah. it. So those people, the fact that they're there, we are supporting each other, so I don't see it really as competition. It's not always competition. No, it's not that's, really. That's a good way. Because I can go it. into one of the Nigerian restaurants in the area, talk to the manager, the owner, and show him. He does the same thing. He comes and sees me. Um, so it's not really competition. It's just that we're all trying to earn a living. And it's, it's not always. That that's actually, you know, I I somewhat agree with you in the sense that it's it's not always a competition, and there no. is room for everybody to, to succeed. And I think sometimes we can get into the mindset of whether that's a business, whether in the workspace, of looking at other people as our competition, or I have to be the only person within that space. I have to be the one on top. And actually, sometimes it's it, it does help having that that competition there. And competition is healthy. You need you need competition at all times. If you if you don't have competition, then there's no point of what you're doing. Literally, okay. I don't see how you can market a place or how you can sell without competition, because something needs apple. Apple yeah. needs something. That's that's how it works. If there's no Apple, there's, then all the devices will still remain old. Someone yeah. has to step up, then another person steps up. The competition yeah. is healthy. Yeah. Okay, so in terms of where you are now, what would you say, what do you wish you knew about business as a whole, about being a business owner? What do you wish you knew before you started? Like If you could, if you could give yourself two points or advice what would you go back and say to yourself then before you started um i would say distress distress so this distress behind running a restaurant is not the same stress you have um maybe in other companies or other types of business businesses because with restaurants you're dealing with people different people every day different Mm -hmm. characters you're also dealing with um, a turnaround of stuff so you're also dealing with people calling you in the morning and saying that they can't come in today then you have to go in so all that I didn't understand because I'm one person who never calls in I'm not feeling well mm. so I'm not that person so I didn't expect it to happen to me okay. so all that so I guess then being being the being a manager was yeah, so something yeah, that so you, not just you were not necessarily I can, ma- I can manage a place so mm. for example I was managing a, a um I'm managing a brand, Squire's brand. Yeah. But within Squire's brand, there's other managers. Yeah. Um, underneath me, so they are. Some of them are franchise owners for Istam, um, franchise owners for Romford. Um, then you got to shop in in Kenan Town, where there's a manager or two managers. So all all those people, um, they kind of report to us, me, mm-hmm. me and me and Uncle, the owner. So I didn't really have to deal with people. I just dealt with the senior management. So now I have to deal with the people and the management which I have. Okay. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't really pay attention to that kind of thing that I would need to be heavily involved in coming in the morning to help cook, coming in the morning to help set up all that stuff. I thought it was more I open a business, I put a manager, I do the marketing myself, the sales and all that stuff. And then he just manages the place. But So maybe you're not no- necessarily prepared for the having to be on hand yeah. with the, with a lot of the stuff. Yeah. So okay, if I was opening up my own whether that's a clothing store or like a restaurant or whatever business I had, 
mm. what would you tell me about managing people? Um, managing people, I would say. Or what have you learned? I've I've learned that um, don't take everything face value. Someone, if someone comes to apply for a job, they desperate need of income mm-hmm. or they need income, so they're most likely going to give you another image of them, not yeah. really the image which you want. Okay. So you now need to know what you're selling yourself first before you get someone else to sell it for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I um, I've learned that I need to learn how to make pandoriam in order for someone else to make pandoriam the standard which I want it to be made. So knowing your product. Know my product. You need to know your product know fully. Your literally your know your product, know your service, and don't be a person who moves left and right. Just stick to something. If you if your product, if you believe your product is worth hundred pounds. Stick to that. Don't take it down to 90, whatever. Just stick to 100 pounds and see what happens. Because people okay. believe you that, like for example, LV, they didn't just wake up in the morning and say, it, uh, we're selling our clothes for 500, 800 pounds. Yeah. They started off at a very high price. They didn't start off at a low price. They started they off. They started to yeah. increase it. Yeah. They didn't start off at, let's say, for Primark level, then took it up a notch. No. Yeah. They went straight to the top and maintained that we're an expensive brand. Okay. You know yeah, no, that's that, that's mm. a really so good that, point. So that's and what we're doing in squares. That we're saying that we're giving good food, good service. The place is clean. We will not. If you come and work for us, if you can't maintain that level, go. Okay, so you expect your employees to maintain the standard that you've already set, and yeah. you expect them to even go above above, yeah. ab- above that um, yeah. that that standard. And then in terms of actually those sort of relationships, because I can imagine sometimes, you know, being a manager, you're like you were saying, you're faced with different personalities. Mm. And um, how do you manage those, let's say, conflicts or being, I can imagine you, you want to build a relationship with your employees, but also you don't want to overstep boundaries. How do you manage that line? Um also again because of my age um, what I did is the the aunties which we recruited I knew they would listen aunties but, yeah the aunties who we recruited to cook um, first of I knew they were going to listen but I didn't have someone who is of the same age that's when I put my dad in there mm. that if there's something if you, for an example now if there's any problem with an auntie just call my dad and tell them what the problem is don't I call guess. me because if I now shouted you I find it disrespectful that I'm shouting to an elder and I don't want to do that that's just really be, just be, just be to my dad. I'm not a type of person who, because you work for me, I'm gonna belittle you and all that stuff. No, mm-hmm. if you are an old person and you're working for me, I respect you, but you need to do the work. If you don't do the work, you need to. If I now step in, it would be you would have failed along the line. You would have skipped steps. You would have skipped my dad. You would have skipped uncle. You'd have skipped um, my my mentor. Then you'd have got to me. Okay. Yeah. So when you get to me, it's like the last, last. That, that, that's the last, last resort. Yeah. And to me, is is so fire. You've met the big boss now. Yeah. It's pretty much time for you to go. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. So that's that's the relationship which I have with the, the other ones who are um, similar age or younger than me. We banter, we chill. They know what they're doing. Um, offer them good pay. So it's not the same minimum wage and everyone else. So it's, they know that it's it's, it's good pay. Okay. So you cannot. If you now decide to mess up, that's on you. But just know that your age mates are not getting the same amount you're getting paid. So you're getting paid that's 
amount mm. so that you can do a service which we want if you do any and less deliver a great service yeah if you don't if you, if you do anything less then that's a, that's your own problem okay we've almost covered this already but in terms of you know as someone who is sort of new to, to owning businesses how have you adjusted to you know like I said wearing different hats and the different responsibilities from being the person who's in charge of marketing to sales to logistics to uh, the manager mm. how do you how do you maneuver around that and how do you make sure that you're on top of everything um, all the time as the person who is solely responsible for the success of your business I have to be awake at all times <laughs> that's the first thing my phone, has, no my, my phone has to be on at all times like literally at night someone can call me and say I'm not coming in in the morning so my phone has to be on mm. so I use my phone a lot so wherever I go I've got CCTV on my phone I've got all that um, I can track what's going on using my phone so that's why in terms of network connecting with the staff and the manager and everything it's literally through my phone and also um, when I go there we tend to have one week meeting so have a meeting everyone express yourself and what weekly you meetings yeah, yeah weekly meetings um, and we've got something called um, so you come in there if you have an issue with someone else you have to say it in front of us oh you can't you can't yes. now stand up and and go and talk about the person behind your back yeah and no one can come there's no staff member who can come to me and say oh this person was doing this this things no 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 hold that to the day when we're all together you you open your mouth and say exactly how you feel about that person if that person about the, the other, yeah, um, if their behavior if their cleanliness if the way they cook if the way they serve mention it because it's not really about cussing each other you're helping each other yeah yeah helping so i don't want a situation grow. whereby there's people gossiping there's none of that all that stuff we meet together you open your mouth if this person smells when they come in the morning <laughs> you need to say it did someone no, say it let you them need, know yeah, let them know that in that's the morning, really yeah. interesting i don't know if i would I don't know if I'd want that. I'm somebody who I don't like conflict or anything of that sort. So I can't imagine in an inf like a, a office environment mm. coming in and we we have a meeting yeah. and people openly discuss their grievances with with one another. Which in a way I kind of like because I feel like let's say in an office environment that's where you get people that are you know you get the gossiping about mm. you, you get people let's say via the emails they're being passive aggressive yeah. or um you know using subliminal messages in their in their emails and yeah. there's a lot of I guess gossiping behind each other's backs yeah. but nobody ever says it to each other in their face so me, you've got doesn't, me, you've it, get, got doesn't it get face. political then it gets political but it still has to be said okay it still has to be said there's no point of there's no way you can come there's, there's and no work hiding no nah, there's no hiding because if you t say to me i'll mention it in the next meeting i won't even hold Ooh. back whether you're an auntie whether you are a young person whether you're from another country Old, young. you have got to express yourself but you can't work with someone and you don't get along with them if you've got an issue, settle it. If you can't settle it, one of you has to go. So does that then create an environment which is... which is open and honest? Or how how does it work? How does it, you know, do, doesn't it get awkward or... Um, for an example... Create um, conflict? I get about minimum five CVs per week. And then when we do that... Uh, meeting, I show them. So these are serious people looking for jobs. Mm. You guys, your job is on the line. Every week, your job is on the line. But they're on zero contract. 
So you've got to maintain a certain level. So one of the things that you've got to understand whoever's working. The one thing I don't want is someone to wake up in the morning and feel that them coming to work is a burden. Mm. That's the one thing. Or like they're doing you a favor. Doing me a favor. Yeah. So when you wake up in the morning, look forward to coming to work in squares. Look forward to wanting to serve people. Look forward to wanting to give good food. And the only way you can do that is if, as a group, you sit down and you discuss your issues. If you can't do that, someone come come into their moody, the other person happy, then they will clash. Yeah, and then you've got that awkward um environment where people are not necessarily willing to work with each other yeah so what and really yeah that that i can imagine that that's not good for any sort of business where you've got employees that are um miserable in in their jobs so what i do is the other one is i give them um so when you're working you can eat in the shop when you finish at night you can take your dinner oh free food yeah so you can i come work part time (laughs) (laughs) you're more than welcome so for example um so if you come in in the morning you work you have your lunch the same routine so if if you start work at 10 for example come in if you're not eating your breakfast okay eat food when you enter later on eat then if you want to eat three times a day three times a day i have no i have no problem with that Okay. Um, if you if you feel like you're going home and you're at home you have no food and your and your siblings have no food, mm. tell them to come into the shop, come and eat. No oh, problem. Wow. We, have, we have no issue with that. The only thing is that don't disrespect our kindness. Don't. That's of one course. thing. So we we are paying you, and we're also giving you more. Yeah. If you have issues at home, if you if it's an emergency, money emergency, give us a call. If there's a, literally is 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 to do with family. It's not it's wow. not really someone coming to work and say, I'm earning. Yeah. Thing. No. So you're you're trying to create sort of a, a family environment, of a, family a friendly environment, environment yeah. at the least. There's people who've come in there. There's two guys who've come in. They've worked with me for two months, and then I ask them about their what they do mm-hmm. and what sort of case they have. One has got um, security. One is um, a nurse, mm-hmm. and they're both in in full time jobs now. Um, working as a security yeah. and working as a nurse. They don't wow. no longer work for us, but they yeah. come in during the week um, to see us. If a table is dirty, they clean it. They don't work for us anymore. They're not on our Aww. wage bill, but they're still... Because we help yeah. them get the jobs which they wanted. So it's yeah. not just coming to work for us and 20 years down the line, you're working for Squares. No. What you really want to do, do it. So I love that. Yeah, so hospitality is a stepping stone. Hospitality and retail is usually... A, a stepping, stepping stone, stone to the next, to the next. next so if if squares diagram is a stepping stone for you come but then you've ov- obviously got to maintain certain kind of integrity i like that yeah. so um another thing i wanted to discuss with you was mm-hmm. I, I saw this on the train actually um it was a quote that said starting a business is a test of character yeah. Do you agree? And yeah. how how have you been tested in the last? Is it a month or yeah, a year? So, um, you really have to look at yourself, yourself in the mirror and think like, am I really doing this? Because <laughs> okay. not every day is rosy. Yeah. So some days, but you're dealing with money. So you're dealing with thousands, thousands of pounds. So money goes, money comes. So when you don't have it, you need to now kind of pick yourself up find okay. a way of it so that's where it all comes in place whereby it's really worth doing this so in those times where you know it's difficult or let's just say for instance um it was a slow business month mm. for you what what keeps you going what keeps you um, waking up every day and 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 pushing to make this business successful um 
I believe this business is going to lead to the uh, it's going to help the other business ventures we have. So, for example, we've got a charity um, which is coming up um, to help kids in South Africa and help kids in Zimbabwe, and also potentially help kids in other parts of Africa. Mm. Even Uganda, we've been to Uganda to check it out. Oh wow, that's um, amazing! So, one of the things that if Squares fails, a lot of kids, a lot of uh, people who are not um, in good financial terms in Africa, they will technically say suffer because that means we're not doing something right because we're meant to be making money to help others. It's not just making money to be to enrich yourself. That's not the thing. Is okay. that this charity organization which is named after my mom? Um, other business ventures in Africa to support kids in Africa, yeah. youth in Africa. So if Squares, for example, fails, or all my other business ventures in this country fail, I failed kids. Wow. So I failed families. Like for now, we're paying for, as if, I think it's close, no, it's five kids now. It's actually five kids we're paying for. One kid we signed up recently. So we're paying. So for you're paying for their school, school fees, fees, their food for the month, and they're in their uniform. That's per, incredible. Per yeah, so that, if I now, for an example, lost it all in UK. What do I say to that kid? Yeah. I'm saying, what do I say to so if I don't have it, find myself to come up. Because if 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 for an example, if a family has nothing and then for three months we've been giving them um food, we've been giving them for the child, it's not like for the family. The yeah. child is well taken care of, uniform, food, yeah, um school fees, got everything. Mm. What do I tell that child two, three years down the line if I failed? Sorry. And then I gave them a hops and then I took them down. No, I can't do it. I have to get myself up one way or another. Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> 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 no, I'm only, I was almost lost for words for a second because it's, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And I completely understand um, where you're coming from. So it's not just, you know, I want to succeed nah. for the sake of having money in the bank or my ego, but it's this helps somebody else. I've never been a that's, person. That's who say, a lot of pressure, because yeah, I've never been a person who says, "Oh, I want to be a millionaire. I want. I just want to live good. I just want to live yes, good. If I, if I, if I, I support yeah. that. So if I, I live good, um, and the people around me live good, and then I've got enough to to give other kids and to help them live good. I've done my part in this world. Yeah. If I, if if I don't do that, then yeah, I could say I failed. Okay. So yeah. t- t- tell me a little bit more about the um, sort of charity work that you're doing in in. So, so what South it is Africa. is um, in South Africa, I went to a place called Ivory Park. It's, um, it's one of the worst places you can go to. Mm. It's the worst place. Um, I saw, got a dam. I saw a body there. Oh. They even when I went back recently, they've closed the dam because almost every other day there was a body floating in the morning. Wow. Yeah. So and, and then, the, and then their kids were murders, shooting, stabbings. Um, I've seen a person get necklace to where they put a tire on you, they light it up. Oh. I saw that in 2015. So, and kids are watching that. So imagine you can't just neglect that and come back to UK and say that happened. You can't just forget about mm. it. It's not something. So you need to kind of do something. That's one of the reasons why the charity is there to support the kids in that local area, trying to help them out, trying to say, okay, you've seen someone get murdered. It's not the end of the world. And then you've got Makokoba in 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 Blawayo and Zim, um, a place where it's run down to the core, and then Bilo Hospital is not too far from it, run down to the core. So we need to help the kids there. Yeah. But it's not like. 
when you see a kid you come back you wish them luck that they'll get money somewhere you, mm. the luck is you, the, you yes <laughs> so you can't pray for you're, another you're, kid you're that person that that's, that's, that can help them yeah so you can't see some problem and, and give it to someone else to fix if you can fix it or you can try and fix it fix it so that's what happened so we traveled we've seen different parts we went we're in, in Kentebe in, in Uganda similar, similar thing we're in Ethiopia wow. similar thing people are suffering and people are looking at it people are taking pictures but people are doing nothing and then what ha- then happens is we now blame our charity organization British Cross that British Cross has been funded but they're not helping kids yes but what am I doing what to help am I kid? doing yeah, I'm not doing to help that kid I can't just comment on British Cross that they are generating 400 million a year and they're giving 20 million to, to Africa that's not my problem that 20 million is going to go a long way than me insulting them so 20 million is better than nothing. nothing. So why, why not do something, even if it's 10 pounds? Why can't I just help a kid with 10 pounds? And contribute in and one contribute way or another. Well, some of the money which we we spend in this country for nothing is ridiculous. Do you feel like we, as the diaspora in the UK, and, you know, do you feel like we live in a bubble and we, we've almost forgotten where, where we come from and what we've left behind? Yeah, a lot of people live in a bubble. Because, and you can't neglect that. You can't say, "Okay, I'm in UK. Everything's nice. I've got my phones. I've got all that stuff." Mm, I'm living no, my no, life no, no, here. No. And there's, there's, there's more to it. Because what some people don't realize is that, as much as you are having fun in this country and you are okay with everything, you have families, relatives suffering, and you are choosing to neglect it because you are happy. That self um, that is, is, is too much. It's like I can, I can just randomly go to Zim and see someone I know, a relative suffering and then come to UK and pretend that I didn't see it. Yeah. And then if that person maybe dies, I'll cry the loudest because I'll be the one person who could have helped them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I can't, so I can say a lot of people are living in a bubble. A lot, no, I can't say adults per se, but our age group, ages 18, let's say 18 to 30, in UK, they're living in a bubble. They're refusing to believe the state of Africa. They're refusing, literally. But you don't go there to see refusing for yourself. Refusing to recognize you see, what's you see going it, yeah, on. You see it on the news. The news are not lying. Don't think the news is... Do you <laughs> think maybe part of that is not wanting to be responsible, so almost turning a blind eye to, to what's going on because, one, you don't want to accept the, the direness of the situation. Mm-hmm. Two, you don't want to be responsible at any level mm-hmm. um, and three part of it is maybe not caring no, because you, you, you've taken yourself out of that situation a, so it's like out of sight out of mind a lot, a lot of Africans um, I would say I'm quite better Zimbabwe they want to pretend that they're not Zimbabweans they want to pretend that they're British you're not British you're Zimbabwean you're not you're not British you're South African mm. you're Nigerian you're Congolese you come from Africa. Are you oh, helping? Are you doing anything? So speaking of sort of helping and especially Africa, um, you were recently in, in South Africa. Mm. What sort of opportunities did you see particularly in terms of investing? And, um, you know, is there opportunity for us as um, as people in the UK or wherever in the world to invest in Africa? And how can we get started? I'll say, if you want to be rich, Invest in Africa. 
Okay. If you if you want to be if you want to live a, a standard life, yeah, work in so, UK, so get, get so Africa's, in your, Africa's where it's at in terms of the Af- money. I'll say the countries I've been to, I could say that yeah. What sort of opportunities would you say are there? Um, property will always be one, but food industry, yeah, restaurants, uh, um, bars uh, where you do grill. Um, there's a, you can make money there. Then, if you want to make um, generational wealth, you've got to go into opening a school, open a clinic, open um, some sort of educational program. Mm. Th- then you are talking educational um, um, generational wealth, money yeah. which would forever continue. Open yeah. a school today. In hundred years' time, you expect that school to be there. Unless yeah. maybe there's a there's a war or something, but you expect the school you to be there. To, yeah, yeah, expect it to be there. Buy buy land, Africans buy land. I can't say that more than enough. Just buy a piece of land. Have something in Africa where you say that's mine. I even if actually, even if there's no structure, just buy the land and have buy it there. The yeah, have, have the land. Have there. it there. Because people in UK <laughs> who have mortgages, you don't own the land. Yeah. You pay council tax because you're paying the rent for the for the place where your your house is at. Mm. If the government decides for the literal location of if where the your government house is. decides to do regenerational where they're moving people out, they can come and destroy your house one time and you have nothing left. Yeah. You can't do nothing. You would have pay they'll pay you out, but you don't own the land. Yeah. In Africa, you buy a piece of land, a plot of land, build a school, register everything. No one's going to question you. You charge whatever rate you want for school fees. <laughs> That's money which will forever come. Yeah. Kids will always be born. Really Kids will always go to school. It will always be there. It's funny, I think, because, okay, in not necessarily in the UK, but it, um, when I think of business, school mm. is the last thing I would think. A hospital is probably the last thing. Because it's free. Or a clinic is the last thing I would think as a business. But obviously, yeah, like you're saying, in Africa, you know, you can open a school yeah. and you, you can open a um, a clinic and that's something that will always 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 um generate income and generate wealth because it's something that is essential to our everyday life so okay yeah you don't you don't really need to think um for something new to do in africa just one thing i realized is if you've been brought up with the european standard of level education of the way you think Mm -hmm. the way you do things Take that to Africa. Stay two years in Africa. You'll see how much money you make. But you'll be ahead of them in certain things. Okay. You'll be a step ahead. You have connections in 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 UK. What more do you need? Yeah. Importing, yeah, exporting. You, you, you've got this potentially the social capital. Yeah. You've got the wealth to actually build something yeah. that's that. that and even is, if you wanted to take um, out a for example, a loan in UK, when you lived here and invested in Africa, you can do that. Yeah. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. But what people don't realize is that they just want to live for now, in UK for now. But what if things changed in UK that you now here to corporate Africa? Where are you or going to? wherever it is. Where you're you, from. You, where you're from. Where, where, where are you going? But you can't spend 15 years in this country and go back to Africa with no land, no house, no business, no anything. To oh, well, that's the, yeah, the, the Caribbean. Means, Even if you're, you're yeah. from anywhere else, that's in Europe. Yeah. Um, again, Brexit, but you know you can you can still um, invest in in your home country. Mm. Okay, so another question I was dying to ask you is: in terms, do you feel like everybody 
is made to be a business person? No. Is 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 it something that we can all achieve? No, because not everyone can be a businessman. Someone has to work for someone. Okay. But then, and okay, before you continue, it, that comes from the fact that I feel like in this generation, particularly with social media, there's so much. Um, pressure recently and emphasis on you know having a side hustle being a business owner or you know having your full-time job and having your business on the side or you know having your hand in multiple pots and part of me feels like that that's not realistic i don't know um social media is the truth oh, i'm saying it's a lie it's the <laughs> truth um but um the idea of of people everyone owning a business no nah, it's a lie um because certain businesses um, they've got market for it for an example not everyone can sell hair yeah and then if you're going to sell hair it has to be a certain quality certain marketing strategy mm. um, not everyone everyone wants to create a business but no, not everyone is business minded not everyone um, some people have gone through the business route of going to school and still don't own a business they go and run other people's businesses run other people's businesses yeah because it's, it's not an easy thing to do Certain things people would like do um, nine to five. Yeah. Yeah. Nine to five is for people. I would say for people who don't like stress. They want to go and earn their money, and we have the weekends, go back, start their work, have a very structured lifestyle. Yeah. But if you're now going to be full time in business, there's no structure. Every day is different. Yeah, I can imagine. So some days my day can start at eight and it's done by eleven a.m. Some days my day can start at eight, by three in the morning, it's still You're going. You're still working. Yeah. So it's not every day. So if you if you have a structured lifestyle you want and reasonable amount of money you're earning, then I'll say stick to it. Don't try and do something else. But if you want to get into stress and try new things and you've got to get capital, you've got to gain money from somewhere to start it. You just, just wake up in the morning and... and so um in terms of somebody let's say i am wanting to start a business and what would your advice be in terms of raising capital or you know finding investors um the traditional route is business plan business plan look for an investor for a business um, and then hopefully someone buys into a business and pays maybe they want a percentage of a business all those logistics but i would say if you want to start a company, put aside a business plan. Okay. Don't have a business plan. Um, reason being, That's most, pe- most, pe- most people won't read a business plan. Okay. Most people don't have to be reading 50 pages of your work. They want you to prove to them what you want to do. So if you're selling a product, get, a, get a, um, something just to show that this is a product. Even if it's small, even if it's hair. If you're coming to me and saying that, oh, I've got a business, I want to start my hair company and all that stuff, the first thing I'll ask you is show me the hair. Yeah. I won't ask you for a business plan because that doesn't mean anything to me. So at least have something tangible, have something tangible, to, tangible show, to show. Like or literally. at least get started yeah. and then have um, people sort of see some sort of results yeah. so first. Because direct gov- the government, um, Virgin, um, there's quite a few companies, uh, Princess Trust, um, mm. they give loans uh it's not grants um, to people ages of 18 to 30. Okay. And you don't pay it back. And what they want is, they'll, the way your application form is, it's almost like a business plan. Yeah. But at the end of it, you have to sit with someone and show them exactly what you mean. 
or even go with someone to a place and say, okay, I want to open a restaurant like this. Okay, they so they, 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 they sort of want yeah, not on paper. They results need, yeah, already. Results. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes they ask you, okay, you want to open a restaurant? Can you show us a sample of your food? What do you have already, or what yeah. have you worked on yeah. already? So they they at least want you to have started yeah. and not really be starting from zero. Have something to show first, and then they I invest. will invest. Yeah. People, okay. there are people who are there willing to invest in so many different businesses, but most people what they have is just a business plan. They don't have anything tangible. KPMG, for example, they invest in small starting businesses. Uh, JP Morgan, they invest in small things. But you can't in walk into businesses. a big bank like JP Morgan with nothing rather than a, a document. You need to have a prototype of something. You need to have something tangible to say, okay, I want to go into music. This is my first song. Even if it's not good, they they they, they want to see yeah. They, they Don't they come in there and say you, you've put I'm a music artist. In. I'm I'm just there. I want ten thousand to release my mixtape. Okay, show us. Show something. me the talent. Yeah. Show me you can do it before mm. I can invest my money and invest my time yeah. and invest my efforts into you. That's that's okay. why I don't like the the idea of of business plans because people dwelling in the contents, the introduction. It's, it's like writing an essay. Yeah. No one's gonna do that. Just come and say. It's better for you to come with a presentation and stand there and present and walk away than give a document to someone to go and read later. Because it means nothing. May not. Mm. Okay, that's a good point. So before we come to a close, mm-hmm. we shall have some fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna read out a sentence mm-hmm. and you will finish off with your answer. Amen. Okay. <laughs> So, success is... Everything to me. If I could be anywhere else in the world, I would be in... I'll be in Johannesburg. Johannesburg? Yes. Okay. I couldn't live without... Hey, God. (laughs) Couldn't live without God? Aw. Best advice I ever received is... The best advice I ever received is actually... It's good to marry. It's good to marry. Yeah, someone told me that getting married is good. It's good for a credit, a credit score. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best advice. Wow. It's nothing. No one's people have given me quotes they've heard from read somewhere. But yeah. I spoke to someone similar age, married, and I could see the way his life is. And he said, "Listen, just stop all this. What you're doing? Just get married and see wow. what happens." And then when since I got engaged, the structure of my life has changed. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Things are getting better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you hear that, was, everybody? Was all, all this playing, playing games is long. You lose money in, in, in so doing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, the best advice I could give to someone else is? Believe in yourself. 100% believe in yourself. Hmm. To the core. Believe in what you want. Believe in your idea. Believe in your vision. Don't shift. Even if your family members, they try and think. If you believe in something, <laughs> go for it. Simple idea. When I was in uni, I told my dad, um, I'll finish this course for you, and I'll get good grades for you, but it's not for me. Passed. And I told him, I'm going to hospitality. He got angry about it. My sister spoke to my dad and said, just leave him. You never know. In a couple of years' time, he'll own a, uh, his own restaurant. Mm. Look what's happening now. Now he's the that. one coming and making noise and saying he's happy, happy. But he's the first person who said, don't do it. Aww. Going to computing. That's beautiful. Yeah. So I'll say believe in yourself. Even if it's your your parent, if you know something is it's in your heart and you fully believe in it, go for it. 
And on that note, I think we're going to end there. Thank you for sitting and chatting with me and dropping your gems, <laughs> dropping all the wisdom <laughs> on us. Um, so where can we find your where can we find you on social media squires information where can we come um, and eat the beautiful food you're serving so um, you can find squires at um, on twitter is eat squares uh, on website is www.squaresuk.com and then you're going to find us everywhere because we're opening left right and center so we're not going to be hard to miss we are taking um the challenge in terms of opening one in North London, one in South London, one in West London, they're all going to be open in the same month. So for people to know that we are serious about giving good food, good service, and see what happens with African food. Great. So we've got three restaurants coming up. Yeah. Okay. Well, I look forward to coming to eat. <laughs> I, I always go to the same one in, in Canning Town. Yeah, that's the main one. The Canning Town's the place um, to be. But thank you, and thank you for listening. Thanks for having us. Until next time.